So, not counting the introduction today as part three of our series on DIY, do it yourself. It's been awesome that we've had visitors, multiple visitors, each week of this series. So, to quickly recap, we started by saying, it's time to move forward. No more milk, it's time for meat. I have been here for seven years, some of you have been here for six and a half, some of you have been here longer, some of you have been here one or two. And if we don't see a difference, if we don't see a maturation in our spiritual health, in who we are, in how we live for and about Jesus Christ and go out into the community, then there's something wrong, all right? So it's time to get off the Gerber, all right, and into the restaurant quality spiritual food that God has set out for us. So we had to go back to the basics in order to do that. Week one, teach me how to study the Bible. And we looked at why we need the Bible and how we need the Bible and how to go about getting into the Bible. And I was overwhelmed by the number of people who would call in or who asked for the notes or who said, tell me which commentary or who said, are there any books that I can look at and read? So that was awesome. And then it was teach me how to pray. Teach me how to pray. And it was great to hear people begin to talk about how they wanted to spend a little more time with God, how they would start with just a few minutes how they were going to pray for their spouse or pray for their kids or asking for prayer requests. People have been telling me about beginning to keep journals and that is awesome and it is uplifting and it is exciting about what God is going to do. I've also had lots of comments. You guys uh, know that I, I used a very physical analogy with diet and nutrition, all right, to talk about how basically these things are the diet and nutrition for your spirit. And I've had a lot of people say, hey, I was a Kroger the other day and I, I'm keeping my meat away from four legs. I'm taking two-legged meat and no-legged meat. And, and it's people just getting healthy that way too. So I'm all for that. But let's make sure, I want you physically healthy, but let's make sure we're spiritually healthy as well. This morning, teach me how to worship, all right? Teach me how to worship. And this morning what I'm gonna do is we're gonna talk a little bit more about things not to do and things to do, but I refuse to make a list. I refuse to have my Cosmo magazine or my teen magazine list in there. If you do these things, then you will learn this. I don't wanna do that. We want to use the scripture. We want to ask ourselves, what does Jesus want our worship to look like? And so you're gonna, you're gonna see that because I'm actually gonna read a passage of scripture that says, these are the worshipers God is seeking, okay? So we're gonna know what they look like by the end of this, all right? But when we think about worship, we need to hearken back. And I forgot to do this in the early service, so I'm, I'm thankful that at least it'll be out there for them. One of our core values is celebration, all right? It's the overflow of the joy that God has in us in worship together. That's one of the core values of our congregation is celebration. For too long, the church has been, um, in, instead of standing on the promises, they've just been sitting on the premises, all right? We're not getting the job done, all right? And so we want to be alive and be a, a part, an active part of our worship. So I wanna tell you how the folks in the Old Testament thought about worship and what their actions showed in that. Um, they would work. They really would work. That was the way they went out. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the first five days of the week. And now their calendar may have been a little different from ours, but we need to use these days so that we'll understand. They would work, all right? But when Fred Flintstone slid down the back of the dinosaur, and when the bell went off from the old Flintstones, you know, yabba dabba do, when five o'clock Friday hit, here's what would happen. At home, the children and the mother would have already been preparing, all right, food, not only for the evening, but for the entire weekend, all right? And in the old times, their houses were built right on top of each other. If you got married, you built right onto your parents' house and your cousin built right onto your house. And that was the way the community was separate, but 
together, all right? And you had your Tostitos guy, all right? And he made Tostitos. You had your um, salsa guy, and he made your salsa. You had your meat guy, and he provided the meat. And you had your vegetable guy, and he provided your vegetables, and your water guy. You know, everybody did their part in the community. But at at 5 o'clock on Friday, when the men would arrive back at home from the fields or from wherever they were, the family would be waiting, and they would be waiting to leave together. And they would ascend the mountain. They would leave their homes and they would ascend the mountain. And all the way up the mountain and all the way back down the mountain, they would sing songs, all right? Sing songs about the stories that had happened in their history. Sing songs about what the Lord had done. Sing songs about how good God was to them. And they would be ascending what we call, you know, you've had a mountaintop religious experience, they would be literally, this is where it can be, be ascending the mountaintop, all right? And when they would get to the mountaintop, the teachers would sit on the side of the hill, and the children would all sit around them, and the moms would all sit behind them, and they would smile, and they would tell stories about what had happened to their families, how God had led them through the wilderness, how God had opened up the sea, and they would pass them down from generation to generation. And what God had done in their lives was actually real, and their testimony wasn't just something that they made up and learned in four or five minutes. It was a lifetime of stories that had been been passed down into them, that God continued to work into them. And that all culminated in in, in the, the Sabbath, in the celebration, in the rest, in the joy of talking and, 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 and exalting God. So that's where we're going to begin our thought process. Now, we've set it up completely differently. It is set on a time. And we begin at this time. And we end at this time. And being a a child of the ADD, ADHD generation, there is some quality to this, all right? The longer a service goes on, the less I remember. If you can pack 75 things into about 12 minutes, I will get them all. You go an hour and a half, and I will forget them all, all right? I can't do it. I'm already seven days into next week, all right? That's just who I am. So based on what we know and based on what we see, I want to talk to you first about what worship is not, okay? Okay? Worship is not, ready? Worship is not about you. So I need you guys to use these lists as an evaluation, as an assessment of where you are. What I mean by worship is not about you is this. Don't raise your hands. Have you ever gotten in the car and said, I didn't like the volume this morning. I didn't like the song choice this morning. I didn't like the way the preacher acted mean this morning. I didn't like the the fact that I had to sit in every other pew this morning. I didn't like that we weren't every third pew this morning. Have you ever left the worship service and said something about the service in evaluation that started with the word I? Let me be clear. It ain't about you. We ain't doing it for you. The schedule's not made for you. That would be physically impossible. In the same vein, that is what is wrong with the country right now. We literally believe that we can make everybody happy for what everybody wants in everything that their heart desires. The problem is the desires of our heart are sinful. The heart is what? Deceitful above all things. It is a physical impossibility for everybody to get what everybody wants and not trample on everybody else. It will fail miserably. And we're headed that way, folks. And it will fail miserably. If you try to do church 
and worship experiences and gatherings that way. It will fail miserably. You cannot be the object of your own affections and think it's going to be okay. Worship is not about you. Worship is not for spectators. Worship is not a noun as we have created it to be, a set-apart time where we gather. That makes it a noun. Worship is not a noun. Worship is the glorification and exaltation of the object of your affections. Worship is the glorification and exaltation of the object of your affections, okay? So, it is a verb, which means it is not a spectator sport. You cannot sit and watch Worship involves active participation. Now, some of you are like, well, I just don't want to lift my hands, or I just don't want to come to the altar, or I just don't like to sing, or I just don't. I am not asking you to be like everyone else. I am simply saying it is not worship if you're a spectator and not a participant. It is a show and nothing else. It is entertainment, even if it's not entertaining, and nothing else. So worship is not about you. Worship is not a spectator sport. Worship is not a moment. This is important. Worship can happen in a moment, but is not in and of itself a moment. We have said, hey, worship starts at nine. That is a service or an experience starts at nine. Worship does not start at nine. Worship should happen on Tuesday. Worship should happen on Friday. Worship should happen at every glancing and every realization of God around you and who he is. If, in fact, he and his glory are the objects of your affection and your intentions, okay? So, worship is not a moment. It is not a time frame. It does not begin at nine and end at 9.55. That is not what it is. And lastly, worship is not just singing. The worship in church has nothing to do with the time Preston starts playing his guitar and the time they walk off the stage. It is not, hey, we had an experience today where we did worship and then we stopped worshiping and the bald guy started to speak. So we had worship, and then we had speaking. We had worship, and then we had prayer. We had worship, and then we had teaching. No, all of it should be a collective experience in worship. The difference should be, while we are here, we are in combination. We are in congruency. We are together as we worship corporately. But as you will find later, your participation is what is the word? Required is not the right word. Your participation is needed as a part of the body for the body to get everything that the body needs. I'll explain that in a minute. So just to be clear, and so that you can see it, or snap your photograph so that you will remember, worship is not about you. It is not a spectator sport. It is not simply a moment, and it is not just about singing or music. We're going to come to worship is, but we are not going to listen to what I have to say about what worship is, for that would be foolish. 
Let's get to the scriptures and make sure that we're understanding not what our parents say or what our church says or what anybody else says, but let's look at what Jesus says that worship is. Let's go back into the Old Testament and let's talk about what he expected of the people who came out to worship him. We're going to be in Isaiah, and here's what the Lord says. The Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that they have been taught. Folks, that is religion. That is checking off the list. That is attendance. That is non-participatory spectator stuff. That is also praising Jesus on Sunday and living like Satan on Monday. Exalting his name on Wednesdays and at youth camp and then living your life the other way. It is the hypocrisy of the relationship you have with Jesus Christ. And that is what becomes exalted rather than him. Their words are fine, but their hearts far from me. Your talk doesn't match your walk. Let's look here. There was a woman who was at the well, a sinful, sinful woman. We know that, all right? Not saying she's more sinful or less sinful than you or me, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God makes it very clear that she is a a woman who, um, well, there's nobody else around when he meets her because nobody wants to talk with her or be with her. And she finally asked this great question. He could tell her heart was longing for something. And she says, hey, there will, I, I know, I know that there's a Messiah coming. I know that everything that happens around me isn't just an accident. I know it. And one day, there's going to be a Messiah, and, and he's going to let us know if we're supposed to worship over there or if we're supposed to worship over there. And Jesus says this, and he would say this to us. Am I supposed to worship in a Baptist church or a Methodist church? Am I supposed to worship standing or sitting? Am I supposed to worship kneeling or with my hands in the air? Am I supposed to worship with, with, with Democrats and Republicans? Am I supposed to worship in a building or out in nature? Where am I supposed to worship? And Jesus says, it's the wrong question. Woman, Jesus replied. Church, Jesus replied. Believe me. A time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and now has come when true worshipers, okay, colon, what does a true worshiper look like? Here we go. Will worship the Father. So there is a target of the worship. In spirit, there is a helper and a place from which the worship comes. And in truth, There is a moral absolute for the worship. And they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So the question is, what does a worshiper look like? The answer is, the type of worshiper the Father seeks is people who worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Not a where, not a how, but a who. Not a where. Not a how, but a whom. You're asking the wrong question. You're never going to get it right. 
It's not about where or when or time or place or music, but it's all about me. Number one, worship is all about God. The minute we are deflected, the minute we're redirected, worship becomes not about God. Confession time. You guys need to learn to do this, and I need to do it more. Listen to me. I have. There are things that I, in my makeup, all right, that cause me to be distracted and detracted from worship. You know what they are? Mistakes. I can't stand it. I can't. I have a problem. I can be right here where Jen's normally sitting. I can be, holy, there is no one like you. And the slides will mess up. And I'm like, there is no one you. And I'm all worried. No, I do. I'm confessing. I want it to be quality. You guys want me to want it to be quality. Here's the confession. If it hinders my worship of the almighty God, it is wrong. I have let my need for efficiency. It's one of my things. I am a, things that don't run efficiently just get my goat. But if those things detract me from the object of my affection, then I have to consider the fact that the quality of the worship laid out before me, even though it's my, my job, is more the focus of my affection than the Father. When the harmonies are missed, when the guitar string breaks, when the wrong keys are played, I, it grinds me the wrong way. Those things happen. Sometimes we need to sit back later and fix them, but it should not affect me in that moment, nor should it affect you. Worship doesn't flow from what we're reading or what we're staring at. It flows from within the heart, and you've got to let that valve stay open. So the first thing worship is, is it's about God, okay? Because the, the passage says they will worship the Father. It's all about God. Worship fro flows, froze, yeah, worship froze. Now, I don't know if that is short for afros or froze, it was really cold, but worship flows from the Spirit of God. Listen to me. Man cannot create true worship. Number two, man cannot worship the way worship ought to happen without the Spirit. A natural man cannot understand the things of the Spirit. They are foolishness to him, for he is not spiritually praised. You can't worship God in capital S Spirit and in truth without the help of Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God working in you. For I have not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So, true worship flows from the Spirit of God. Wrong slide. There we go. Worship, listen, is a barometer of truth. Worship is a barometer of truth. Remember when I was talking about the, 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 the wrong question? All right? Remember when I was talking about worship not being a moment? Remember when Jesus said they worship me with their lips and not with their lives? True worship is a barometer of the truth of how you're living your life. You see, we ought to be able to worship the creator amongst his creation. We ought to, when we see the sunrise or the sunset, be blown away by the artistry 
of our Father in heaven, we ought, when we hear a baby cry, when we witness a new birth, when we see a life changed, be blown away by the power of God and the Spirit of God. We ought to, when we see children play, when we look at the homes we have compared to 97% of the rest of the world, we ought to be overwhelmed by the Father. I find myself pulling out of my driveway and heading here, and right after I get out and start to go, I look back at my home, and I seriously, over the last seven years, have had an overwhelming sense of gratitude that I actually have a house that is standing, that children live inside, that a wife is, it has a kitchen, and, and it's mine, and well, it's not mine, it belongs to Rocket Mortgage, but still, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for my home, and I'm thankful to God, not to my hard work, because that doesn't have anything to do with it, and that is worship in everything that we do, all right? In everything that we do, we ought to, as the Old Testament says, come, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together, all right? Listen, worship takes many forms. We have been conditioned that worship is basically made up of praying, Bible reading, singing, and preaching. But it is so much more than that, and it goes so far beyond the boundaries of the time that we spend here. Listen to me. One of my best worship experiences is driving down Harrodsburg Road going south. If you ever catch this, it's amazing. Driving down Harrodsburg Road going south. So you, you come out of Lexington, you pass Southland, and you're headed south toward Wilmore, okay? And if you drive through there between about, depending on the time of year, about 5 p.m. and 9 p.m., depending on the time of year, the sun sets just off to the right of where you're going. And right as it goes down, there is an incredible orangey-pinkish, all right, light over the horizon, and it fades into a softer orange-pink, and it fades into a very light orange, then it fades into a real, real baby blue and heads on up into the sky that will be dark in just a few minutes. But the way off in the distance the tree line is on the rolling hills of Kentucky, along with the trees that are sitting in between the giant horse fields that have the, the fence around them, and there's just one of them, all right? When the leaves fall off and you get to look at that, they're silhouettes, they're almost cut out of the background, all right? You don't see trees. You basically see shadows, but they're trees. And I'm like, who does this? I can't get, I have tried. I've stopped and taken pictures. I've done it with an iPhone SE, with an iPhone 6, with an iPhone 8. It doesn't matter. I can't get it. I can't show it to you because eyes were made by God. And the way our nerves run and our brains were made by God. And he did that. And all of that put together is a miraculous thing that cannot be recreated. And I tell him every time I see it. And that is worship glorifying the object of my affection, not the tree, not the sun, not you, not me. And it doesn't have to be hands up. Craig, I just don't, I just don't, I know I'm supposed to participate, but I, this doesn't work for me. I don't care what kind of person you are. Maybe you're a hallelujah. Maybe you're a touchdown. Maybe you're a, I'm not sure about it, but I'll give you halfway. 
Maybe you're carrying the TV. Maybe you're, I'm just trying to keep my hands from going up, but the Spirit's bringing them up. I don't know which one you are. And I don't care. You like that? All right, come on. I don't care. I don't, I don't, I don't feel comfortable coming to the altar. I don't care. But let me explain the difference. Here's what I care about. What is the Spirit calling you to do, and how are you answering? You see, this one, if you find your hands wanting to come up and you're forcing them down, you're doing it wrong. Maybe, maybe Mr. Davidson here, maybe in the middle of a worship service where he's never done this before, God prompts him, the Spirit prompts him to come to the altar and to pray for one of his children or to pray for his um, out-of-his-mind pastor or something, all right? And here's what he thinks. Man, I feel like I need to go pray, but then I have to climb over my wife. I've got to climb over the boy. I've got to go down there. Somebody's going to see me, and oh my goodness, Lisa Battleton's in here, and Jen Baker's in here, and Steve Celine's in here, and if I go down there, one of them's going to come down there and touch me. I know them. They're going to touch me. They're going to put their hands on me, and then somebody else is going to pray for me, and to be honest with you, I ain't going to do it. Here's my problem. If the Spirit prompts you and you don't go, you're doing it wrong. And we need you to do it right. Well, Craig, what do you mean? The Lord prompted me to get my water. Listen. If you're worshiping in the Spirit, you're also worshiping from the Spirit. Okay? The word pneuma. All right? It's also the word for wind. It's the word for your spirit and for the spirit of God. It's the Greek word, okay? So it comes from within. And then the urging comes from within. And we suppress that urging based on what everybody else thinks or what everybody else might do. Listen, everybody else suffers. That's why we need you. Why? Because that's what corporate worship is. It's the body coming together and it's the thumb being the thumb. And it's the ear being the ear. So it's the hand lifters lifting their hands. It's the pew sitters sitting on the pews. It's the prayers praying at the altar. And it's you figuring out what it is you're going to do to come and magnify the Lord with me. What does that mean? Listen to me. What if there was like a, a crazy magic curtain right there, across there, that you couldn't see, like, like those laser grids in movies? What if once you pass through that, everybody who comes in here, they pass through this, this spiritual laser grid, and once you pass through, you recognize and you realize that the only thing that you can do is worship with the Spirit. Give God all that you are. Magnify the Lord together. What does magnify mean? Well, what do you use a magnifying glass for? Now, I'm sorry. If you use a magnifying glass to, 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 to magnify the sun and to burn an ant, that's not going to work with my analogy, okay? But the other things magnifying glasses are used for, they, they make things larger. They make things clearer. They make things more visible. So what if our worship was all about, from the time we hit this room, making sure that everybody in the room, making sure that me, and making sure that everybody I will come in contact with this week sees the Father larger, clearer, and with more understanding than ever before. That is worship. That is our corporate job. And we don't need ears to be mouths. We don't need ankles to be elbows. We don't need eyes to be tongues. We don't need any of that. We need you to worship God the way he's called you and drawn you to worship him. And then collectively, we will have a magnification and a glorification of Jesus Christ that is unbelievable.
unparalleled, and all the body will feel it. When one thing's going wrong in your body, it affects the rest. little pebble in your shoe, your toe starts to hurt, the blister starts, and it affects all of you, even your spirit, even your attitude. Worship takes many forms. Now listen to me. There, I'm, I didn't come in here to tell you what to do and what not to do. I came in here to tell you what God's calling you to do, you need to do. However, there are things that you don't need to do. There are worshipers who think that they're overtaken by the Spirit and who do things that, in my opinion, and according to the Scripture that I read, are a mockery of God and the Gospel. And the biggest reason is misinterpretation or misrepresentation. What do I mean by that? Well, you read the Bible, you took one verse, and you said that's what it is when the rest of the Bible says that's not what it is. Or uh, misrepresentation, <laughs> you're trying to get the attention on you and not everybody else. You're drawing the attention, God's attention to yourself. And all throughout Scripture, there are verses which talk about that. Jesus must be the object of our affection. Of our affection. And the, the, the sole reason for our, for our worship. Songs, hymns, spiritual psalms, symbols, the harp, the lyre, drums, dancing. Oh, yes. There are many things in the Scripture that worship God. One of my favorite worship experiences ever, and I've probably done it uh, twice at Rhythm, twice at Genesis, and three or four times at The Edge, was we had these artists, these uh, college-age uh, girls who were just amazing, and I gave them the topic of, of my sermon prior to the week they were there. And we bought these four-foot-by-three-foot easels and, 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 and um, uh, forms, uh, thing, canvases, there it is, and uh, we, we, right when the music started, the girls came up and they just started to paint, and they painted all through the worship, and they painted all through the sermon, yeah, I don't need your attention, because they were worshiping too, and when they, right when I said amen, they were finished with their painting, they had worshiped, and it had to do with the message, and it was the using of their gifts, chariots of fire, he, he said, it, it feels like every time I run, I, I am running for the Lord, because he made me this way, I'm a talker, we all know I'm a talker, we all know that I need to be less of a talker, but I feel the spirit of God more, when I stand up here, and he begins to overtake it, and he begins to speak through me, and I say things that I know that I didn't know before I walked in the room, and God uses me, and I feel God, and that is worship for me, because that that's what I'm made to do. What are you made to do? Some of us were made to do all the things together. Some of us are made to do all the things separately. But you will see an amazing thing happen in the body if you will do what God calls you to do. What we worship speaks very clearly of the object of our affection. When I ask where your time goes, where your talents go, when I ask where your money goes, when I ask what the first thing you think about is in the morning and the last thing you think about when you go to bed at night, that will really tell you the object of your affection. It will also tell you what you worship. Real worship is all about God. It flows from the Spirit of God. It's a barometer of the truth and takes many forms. What happens in this room is an overflow of what happens every day of the week and every hour of the day in your lives. If you are filling yourself with garbage throughout the week, garbage is what comes out in here. You can't fake that. 
you're filling yourself with joy throughout the week, joy is what comes out in here. If you're filling yourself with pain, burdens, anxiety, it's going to come out in here. What goes in comes out. What we sow, we reap. I want to finish here. A time is coming when you will worship the Father, not on this mountain, nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans, you, you religious folks, you, you, you list checkers, you, you pew sitters, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. Salvation comes from the Jews, yet a time is coming and for some, it has already come. <coughs> when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. What if, during an entire worshiping experience, your focus was solely on how much God could do for you, how much God could do in you, how much praise you could give him, how much you could honor and glorify and magnify his name. And God wherever he is, and we know where two or more are gathered, there will I be also. But what if he was looking over his shoulder? What if he was looking down from a cloud? What if he was looking from, from, from a hill far away and pointing and going? When you seek, you're looking for something, right? What if God looked at you as you worship and said, that, that's what I've been seeking. That's what I've been looking for. You want how to worship? That's your goal. No list, no nothing. That's your goal. Magnify, glorify, and exalt the name of Jesus. And that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. If he be lifted up, he will draw all men unto himself. Everything falls into place. When the object of our affection is Christ and we worship him daily in spirit and in truth. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart, may those be pleasing to you, God. May we exalt your name together. May we lift you up. May we focus on you. May we see children play, hear babies laugh. May we taste beautiful uh, steaks and, and incredible herbs and spices and and all of the gifts mixed together. May we eat and drink of all that you have given us. And may we give you all the praise and glory and honor. Out of the overflow of what you do in us. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.